It's time for Dima Live, the number one radio show in the private service industry. Dima Live is a radio show that allows private service professionals to discuss topics that pertain to their industry. Now, here are your hosts, Dima National President Matthew Hack and private service professional DJ Haverkamp. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Dima Live. Dima Live is a radio show intended to bring private service professionals, product suppliers, principals, and recruitment agencies together to discuss topics of interest to the high net worth service industry. Dima Live is produced by the Domestic Estate Management Association, a professional trade association with a mission to serve those that serve others. Our website is www.domesticmanagers.com. For our live show listeners, you can log into the blogtalkradio.com website to submit questions online. You can also text questions to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number is 313-404-3998. My name is Matthew Hack. I'm the president of the Domestic Estate Management Association, and today I will be your host. Unfortunately, um, we're back a little bit sooner than we had anticipated. Uh, normally, our shows are at Wednesday, or on Wednesdays at noon, uh, 12 Eastern time. However, uh, this is uh, more of a special emergency edition of Dima Live. Unfortunately, um, as we speak right now, Hurricane Matthew has passed up the uh, Florida coastline and is headed up north, uh, up the northeastern shores of Florida and into Georgia and South Carolina. So we wanted to let all of our members know. Uh, that have been and are preparing to be impacted by this hurricane, that you are all in our prayers. It's almost with certain that the effects of Hurricane Matthew will be felt uh, for days, if not weeks, after it has passed. So we wanted to bring on the Vice President and COO of Globe Midwest Adjusters International. Mr. Gross has been handling claims for over 25 years. He is an attorney and a licensed public adjuster in dozens of states, including Florida. He has presented numerous seminars on property insurance, including several disaster seminars following Katrina, Rita, and Ike, all of which were hurricanes that had a tremendous impact in the United States. So the good news is uh, it looks as though the storm has stayed just out east of the coast in Florida, but the swells uh, are now the new concern uh, as the tide comes in. So flooding and wind damage are still real possibilities. Uh, for all of our uh, DEMA members, and uh, we wanted to bring on Mr. Gross, to, uh, who is a claims expert. And as I said in the intro, he's had experiences in dealing with such claims. Ethan, welcome to DEMA Live. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm sure uh, you guys are, are being uh, inundated uh, aggressively right now with uh, everything that's going on down south. Uh, I wish we were having you on the show under better conditions, but this is probably usually when your company becomes more involved with high net worth families, correct? Uh, that is correct. They're, um, you know, we'll see what, what happens with this storm, but a lot of people are going to be impacted by uh, uh, various aspects of it, wind, water, storm surge, that type of thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so before we get started in talking about some of the claims processes that uh, some of our members are going to be going through, can you talk a little bit about uh, what it is that a public adjuster does and uh, how they can be uh, beneficial in a situation like this? Yes, absolutely. Um, most people aren't familiar with public adjusters unless they've had claims. 
and in different parts of the state uh, or country, there's, uh, you know, they're used more widely than others. Uh, Florida, for example, does have a lot of public adjusters. Many people there are familiar with them. As you go further up the coast or more into the Midwest, it, it varies from, from state to state. But what a public adjuster is, is we are professional property loss consultants. After there's damage to property, whether it's a home or a commercial property from any type of a covered, insurance-covered loss like a hurricane, fire, flood, tornado, it's our job to review the policy, uh, go over that with the insured, make sure they understand what is and what is not covered, and then we prepare the entire claim, everything from writing building estimates to inventorying and valuing contents as well as assisting with additional living expense, and then we present that claim to the insurance company and negotiate it with them to get the best settlement for the property owner. Okay, excellent. And since you guys have been involved with hurricanes in the past, obviously you've got some experience in dealing in these certain situations. Can you speak briefly on your experiences and maybe how uh, Hurricane Matthew might differ from past hurricanes that you guys have dealt with? Yeah, so... I have, uh, our company's been handling hurricanes for nearly 100 years now, so almost every major hurricane that's uh, hit the United States and even some in the islands and in Mexico, we've been involved with. Personally, I've been uh, involved in hurricanes for um, over 25 years, um, including, you know, kind of focusing on Florida. In 2004, they called it the Big 404, where you had uh, four hurricanes that just, um, you know, you had Charlie, I think, was the first one that just really hit very hard. And each hurricane presents some different issues. Some come in uh, deep on, onto land, and they cause a lot of problems with wind and with rain. What it looks like we're going to have with Matthew is a lot of storm surge. And storm surges, when all of the uh, hurricane force winds really just push the ocean further in to land, and then you get uh, properties that are located on the coastline flooded with sometimes, uh, you know, 5, 10 or more feet of water that is seawater. And so that's a real problem because it's salt water and that has a corrosive effect. I mean, I've been in buildings where, you know, you, you walk into the, uh, the lobby of the hotel or an apartment complex and there's two or three feet of sand in there that got pushed in. Um, and, and, again, between getting the sand out and then dealing with all the corrosive impact of the salt, it creates a lot of issues. Absolutely. So as, as, our, as the storm goes through, things seem to settle a little bit, and our managers return back to their prospective properties. Besides crossing their fingers and, and hoping that they don't have a ton of damage, what are uh, some of the first things that they should do? Uh, when returning to their properties? Right. So that's a great question because, uh, and hopefully most of the members go back and, and find very little damage. Um, but the first thing to do would be to, uh, as they're going back, be prepared for the circumstance that they may have trouble getting access. In a storm like this, what happens is there's a lot of rain generated by hurricanes. And the more rain that's there, it loosens the soil, which means the trees are now a little bit looser. And so with the winds that are hitting um, inland, they're going to cause a lot of trees to fall down uh, and get blown over because those root systems are now loosened up. 
as a result, a lot of roads are going to be blocked, so they may not even be able to get in. They should bring some emergency provisions with them, extra water and maybe a little bit of food. Once they're there, they want to do a damage assessment. And it's not always as easy as that might sound. When they go to the property, they may see some downed trees or it may look fairly intact, uh, in which case they really need to look closely to see if they can identify damage because there is still high winds that circulate that can have wind gusts in various areas and can impact, um, you know, it could shift the building a little, which could cause uh, doors and windows to have trouble opening, or it can knock off some roof shingles and allow some rain in. So if it doesn't look like there's damage, they should do a, a real detailed inspection of the property to see if there really is. If they walk in and there is obvious damage, then what they need to do is what we refer to as mitigate, take steps to prevent further damage. If it was flooding, um, you know, if there's a lot of flooding from the storm, one, they're not going to be able to get in until the water recedes, but then all of the building materials are going to be soaking wet, and that needs to get dried as quickly as possible. Uh, if there is damage to a roof or if there's windows blown out, they want to get those covered up, uh, either tarped or boarded up immediately. But the main concern uh, in this hurricane, as we've talked about, is, is really going to be flooding, and that can be from two things either storm surge, which is pushing in on coastal areas, or there's so much rain coming down that there's areas in Florida that aren't used to that much rain, and so it's creating flash flood situations that could impact a lot of these homes as well. Um, at that point, what they need to do is try and get it dried out, and they want to do that as quickly as possible because Florida has um, you know, very high temperatures, very high humidity, and the longer that a property remains wet, wet carpet, walls, et cetera, uh, the quicker that mold is going to grow and the better chance of having a mold problem, which we really want to avoid. Okay, excellent. And, and also probably the, the third one is probably like sewage backup because the uh, sewer drains are unable to keep up with that flow, right? Yes, yeah, so with the flooding that can come in, what, uh, you bring up an excellent point. A lot of people that have never been in a flood you watch it on TV and you see all these people, you know, out canoeing or walking through it. Floodwaters, uh, it's not just like a river rose and now it's all clean, you know, river or lake water that you're walking around in. That floodwater is mixing in with the sewage systems, which is now very dirty water. So it's all contaminated. It's what we in the industry refer to as Category 3 water, which is the, the dirtiest water you can have. So the water that's going to, if somebody has a flood in the property, it is going to be mixed in with sewage, and it's going to be considered Cat 3, which is a very dirty water and will need to be uh, treated accordingly, the, the cleanup will be. Okay. And, and obviously once the mitigation process has, has begun uh, and they have, if they do have damage and they've begun the mitigation process, what do they do? Do, are, are people allowed to just go ahead and start calling companies or is, is this a point where they have to reach out and contact the insurance company to find out uh, who they have, what, what the next steps the insurance company wants them to take? Right. So uh, another good question. So let's kind of walk through here. They come in, they find damage and immediately they need to do some mitigation uh, potentially. If it's, 
if it's marginally stable, meaning if they go into a property and, and there clearly was water that's receded, but there's a lot of wet materials, they'll want to act quickly, but they should notify the insurance company right away. And the reason for that is, uh, is twofold. They need to notify the insurance company and give them as detailed information as they can about the extent of the loss, because oftentimes insurance companies are going to prioritize uh, how they're going to respond depending on what you say. So if somebody calls and says, yeah, it looks like I have a few shingles that got knocked off or I have a broken window, that person may not get any real response for days or weeks. Somebody who calls in and says, hey, you know, here's my situation. I've got two feet of water in the house um, and it's, you know, it's everywhere and there's all these problems, they will likely prioritize that claim. One thing to understand in this environment is over the last several months, there have been uh, a large number of uh, really catastrophic events from an in insurance standpoint. There's been a lot of flooding in Houston. They've gone through uh, at least two major floods, I think, in the last six to eight months. Um, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, has had a, a huge, uh, you know, again, state of emergency level flooding, and that's still being dealt with. So the insurance companies, whether it's regular insurance companies or the National Flood Insurance Program, which provides most of the flood insurance, uh, all of their adjusters you know, and resources, because they hire people um, throughout this process that they just bring in on a temporary basis, they are really taxed to the limit right now from all of those. Put on top of it, the hundreds of thousands of claims they're going to get, you know, immediately from this because even if the damage isn't huge everywhere there is damage there's damage to cars there's damage to structures there's going to be a lot of damage uh, some small some big so so they have to prioritize and it's hard to get the adjusters out and it's very possible uh, there will be uh, adjusters will switch they might get originally somebody assigned it gets switched later to another adjuster so in addition to notifying the insurance company and giving them detailed information, they really need to keep track of everything. Anytime they talk to somebody, if they can get an email address and confirm that in writing, uh, any promises that are made, they should keep track of. Um, but in more answer to your question, can they hire anybody? The insurance company, when they call and report it, may recommend a mitigation or a dryout contractor, um, but the insured can also use anybody that they want. It's just, you know, they want to try and get somebody that they know is um, qualified, especially in removing water. And what you would look for or ask for is, is that company, you know, have they been around a while? Do they have references? Are they reputable? And if it's a water removal situation, they should ask if they are what is referred to as IICRC certified. The, um, the IICRC is the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration, and they conduct classes and provide certifications on how to properly dry out structures and remove mold and all those sorts of things. So you want somebody qualified. Um, so as you go through that mitigation process, that's what you want. Um, I, I will provide a little warning to all of our uh, DEMA members and listeners that 
following this type of a storm, uh, it's going to be difficult to find available mitigation contractors. Um, there's a lot of big companies that do this, and you know, typically if they get a call from like some big hotels and apartment complexes, office buildings, oftentimes all of their resources, all of their equipment will go into those, and and then at that point they really can't handle any more work. So, you know, it's harder to get those kind of companies out to the houses until they've handled the larger commercial losses. So you have to do a lot of calling around trying to find somebody that can get out there and do that. Uh, that's those are all excellent pieces of advice. Uh we're on the uh, on the uh Nemo Live show live with uh Ethan Gro- uh, Grouse, uh the CEO and Vice President of Globe Midwest Adjusters International. And um, just uh, just to add on to that, Ethan, uh, DEMA does have a list of those uh, uh, mitigation companies. We have done our research, and we've got some inside track. We know a lot of the owners of these companies, so um, um, you know, our, our situation is working. We need to be qualified people, you know, DEMA always pre-qualifies everybody that's uh, that's partnered with them or even advertisers, so that's a great point. If those people have the availability, that would be, you know, certainly the first choice. Yeah, absolutely. So so here, here's my question, and, and I guess, you know, um, for people that haven't been through floods or even those that have been through floods, we all know what a difficult uh, time it is uh, emotionally, physically, um, and, uh, from, from that perspective, that's one element. My question is, do you guys have any concerns over the return, um, from a monetary standpoint? Is this going to be stuff that, you know, are these companies just going to wait around for payment or is it going to be something where they're going to have to pay in advance to have the services taken care of and then get, uh, uh, reimbursed by the insurance company after the fact? So that's a good question. You're, you're asking specifically, I think, about the mitigation contractor. Somebody comes out and they perform drying, and now they have a, a ten, a twenty, a fifty thousand dollar bill for all those drying services. Most reputable drying companies will be um, expecting to work with the insurance company, both to get an agreement on the amount of their bill, and then payment of that bill. Uh, there have been, I've seen many times following storms where these contract, where less reputable contractors will go to a homeowner and say, look, I want to get paid up front. I'm not waiting to deal with your insurance company. You need to pay me. Um, it's, it's not uncommon for them to say, what is your deductible? So if you have a $1,000 or a $5,000 deductible to say, look, uh, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the claim. Sometimes they'll ask for the deductible. You know, I usually try to get my clients to not have to pay that because the deductible can be taken out of some other part of the claim. Um, but the other concern when you're dealing with flood is making sure that there is actually proper flood insurance to pay for these bills. And if uh, for some reason, you know, you can have a property that's 
far enough off of the coast that they weren't required to carry flood insurance. But now because of the combination of the heavy rains and other factors, their property got flooded. If they don't have flood insurance, there may not be any insurance. And if there's not, then these mitigation contractors are going to absolutely demand payment up front. So, Ethan, I, I have a question then. In, in areas where you're not required to have flood damage, do you guys recommend that these high-end estates still have flood coverage just in case in situations like this? Yes. What what I have found is if you're not in a floodplain and not required, because the reason most people have flood insurance is if there's a mortgage on the property and they're in a floodplain, the mortgage requires it. Otherwise, people don't even think about it. But if you're not in a floodplain, to add coverage for flood is not that expensive because you're in a very low-risk area. And you bring up a good point in general about more of a pre-loss planning. We've dealt with numerous um, high-net-worth individuals in our career that have beautiful homes, you know, homes anywhere from 10,000 to 30,000, 40,000 square feet. And what amazes me is the variations on insurance. There are some very high-end insurance companies that are specifically designed to insure high-value homes. And those typically will include all the bells and whistles um, that you would want to get, like a flood coverage, but also have uh, additional coverages built in. And so they're going to be a little bit more expensive, but they're going to be worth it because when those adjusters come out to handle the claim, they're not going to be awestruck when they walk into a 20,000-square-foot home. But I've had probably more high-net-worth individuals insure with what I would refer to as very low-end or average insurance companies that you would find on a you know on an 800-square-foot home. But they'll still sell the insurance. It's just very, you know, it doesn't have all of the bells and whistles, and the adjusters are not at all capable of handling a large, uh, especially well-appointed home. And so when you go tell them that here's our invoice or our our bid for $250,000 to replace some drapes, they say, wait a minute, that's more than a house. That can't be right. So it's, you know, but people tend to put their insurance coverage on the back burner or just assume, hey, I'm fully covered. And this may be a whole nother topic for another radio show, but it is well worth it if if somebody's a high net worth individual and can afford a home like that, spend the extra money and get proper insurance through a good company that's designed specifically for uh high end homes and and usually their threshold is you know there's companies that won't insure anything that's got a value of less than I believe like a million dollars, and that's kind of their breaking point um okay, so that being said, yes there's uh there are, you know, some of those concerns. Yeah, I, I just brought that up because I've seen that in the past where, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people really understand, you know, coverages of, of insurance. It's not something that you really care about until the actual situation occurs, which is something that you and I have talked about. Um, by the way, congratulations. You guys are uh, have been approved as a, uh, as a DEMA Global Affiliate member. So, uh, congratulations on that, and uh, we're really excited to have you. you guys as part of the association. Um, but, you know, it's through our discussions with 
you know, professionals like yourself that we're able to get more knowledge about insurance and the proper client way to do claims and, you know, the, the, the things that have to be in place in order to make sure that everything is covered within the, in the home and, and the property. So um, this is great that you're taking the time uh, to, to be on the show today, uh, especially in the circumstances that we all kind of find ourselves on in today. So if we have, um, so I, I, I'll role play here with you. I'm the estate manager. I've gone in. I've done my mitigation. I've contacted the insurance company. Um, everything's moving along. The process is going as smoothly as can be expected. And I have a ton of, of, of bills that I'm sitting on and I'm looking at. Who handles the actual preparation of the claim? Is it going to be the insurance company? Is it, did it, does the estate manager have to do it? Do they have to get someone else involved, like a third party? Who, who does that? Right. So that's uh, a good question, and the answer is a combination. So let's walk through the process. First, what should happen is um, I would advise anyone, any of these estate managers, if there's damage from day one, take a lot of photographs of everything. You know, if they're throwing stuff out, photograph it, document everything. And, of course, like you're saying, save all of those receipts on everything that's being spent. So the real question becomes, whose responsibility is it to put together the insurance claim? Some insurance companies will come out and do portions of it. They may send an adjuster who will write a building estimate, but then tell you, as far as your contents, here's a bunch of blank inventory sheets. Fill them in, give them to me, and we'll review it. Um, And so in that regard, there's... There's a lot of questions of who's doing what and who should. If you read any insurance policy, they will all say that it is the responsibility of the insured to prepare and present their claim to the insurance company. And in a catastrophe or what we refer to as a cat situation like this, adjusters you know, were, are going to be very uh, stretched out. They may try to come in and write a very quick estimate, get in and out and say, here it is. Um, but it may not be that accurate because they're just so overwhelmed. I always recommend not relying on the insurance company to do that job, but making sure to do it yourself or hire a professional because you have to document everything. And, again, the insurance company won't do all aspects. So the way that that would happen, and let me just kind of make sure everybody understands, there's three primary categories of insurance coverage meaning let's say they've, they've been damaged and they have the appropriate insurance, whether it's for flood or for wind, there's one aspect of coverage is the dwelling. How much is it going to be to repair the damage to the building itself? The second category of coverage is contents. And that's pretty much, you know, if you, if you take the house and you flip it over and shake it, everything that falls out is contents or personal property. So, you know, sometimes there's some gray areas, but, you know, the black and white is tables, chairs, you know, all of that would be part of the contents. Uh, The building, in addition to things that you would think of as walls, could also be chandeliers. Um, And if you look in most, uh, you know, high net worth homes, a lot of the appliances are going to be built in. So if it's a built-in appliance, that can become part of the building. It's it's not always um, critical that if something's under one coverage or the other, there's there are times it can matter. But those are the general 
categories. You have the dwelling, you have the contents, and then you have this third part, which is called additional living expense. That is, if if this home is the primary residence for the um, for the insured, and they now have to go rent another house to live in, they're entitled to any additional costs that they incur to maintain their normal standard of living. So, if they were in a you know a fifteen thousand square foot home that was oceanfront, they're entitled to rent another property of similar value until their house is repaired. And even if this is a secondary home, if it's a vacation home, they're still entitled to that because if they normally go down there and have that use, they're entitled to that. So those are the three categories. In coming up with the numbers, you know, if it is a a smaller claim, and, and that's kind of hard to define, but um, you know, let's say it's uh, under you know a hundred or a couple hundred thousand dollars in overall damage. If the estate manager is is taking the responsibility for the claim, they should get estimates from contractors to repair the building, and then share those with the insurance company. As far as the contents, that's where it gets very time-consuming and tedious. Every item must be inventoried. That's considered a total loss and then list it out, and then the replacement cost value has to be identified and supported and put on a list along with the ages and um, any other detailed information on that property. And then that gets submitted to the insurance company for review. Then the third category is these uh, additional living expenses. So all of that becomes a lot of work. That's something that if they hire a, a professional like us, we would do um, we would go through and we would prepare the building estimates. Uh, we would also do the contents inventory on the total loss and determine what, you know, if there's items that aren't total loss but they can be cleaned, there are vendors that can take and restore certain items if the insured wants those. So there is a lot of work to do, um, and professionals can certainly be very valuable in this process because. Not only do we do the heavy lifting of doing this work, but this is what we know how to do. So we know how to prepare the estimate in a fashion that the insurance company will understand and recognize. They won't agree with it necessarily, so we'll have to negotiate it and battle for the right number, but they'll at least understand it. Same thing on the contents. We know how to back it up, work with experts to get support and submit it, uh, and then negotiate those claims with the insurance company. But there will be interaction. If we're handling a claim, we we work with that, you know, property manager um, or estate manager to make sure that, you know, hey, is there other stuff that we don't see? Because they may say, look, in the first week, we threw out a bunch of stuff. Well, great. You need to give us more descriptions. Show us the photos. Tell us what was thrown out. Or if they say, yes, we threw out a rug. Great. Do you know who you bought it from? Can they give us a replacement value? Absolutely, and I think that you know, um, I think you guys, you might be being a little too modest um, about the, the the stuff that you guys do. Um, I've been to your offices. I've had the opportunity to take a look at some of the binders that you guys put together um, when it comes to these uh, inventory items, item action lists, and um, they are they are amazing. Um, you know, whether it's going online and getting and researching particular uh, handbags or, or whatever. Uh, whatever they might be having to replace, you guys do a phenomenal job with that. So I would highly encourage Thank anyone you. to uh, to reach out and, and talk with you guys about that. Um, 
So it can be a, a lot of work putting all it really it is a lot of work putting it together. There's no question in doing it right. So the insurance company, uh, you know, you well, want to create as little chance for them to fight you on something by answering the questions before they're asked. Well, not only that, but I think that, you know, hiring a professional to come in and do something like that. I think that someone who's going to be coming in is going to be in a little bit of a different mindset than someone who is actually involved in the process. Um, you know, that's an emotional time. The You know, you're not necessarily thinking straight and clearly. So having someone like you guys being able to come in and, and ask, you know, the questions that need to be asked, I think that's a huge piece uh, that can, can, they can really help. Uh, these estate managers during these difficult times. So, um, right, because the that's... estate manager is going to have a lot of other stuff to deal with, <laughs> and getting the estate back online and coordinating I, with all the other employees. I have yeah, one. Uh, I have one. Correct. Yeah, I have one estate manager, and uh, he he was um, he 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 had put on the uh, storm uh, uh, the storm shutters uh, and uh, had had closed up the residence for the principals. Got him on the private jet, flew him out on uh on wednesday and then he had to go and do the same thing to his own personal uh property um you know on thursday and then and then got the heck out of there and went across the state so um it's not just you know estate managers aren't just dealing with uh with the properties of the principals but in in many cases they're dealing with their own properties at the same time so the whole situation is just a, a very traumatic uh situation and obviously something we wish that no one ever had to go through but um, stuff happens, and uh, right, and, there, and are, there's are, another there. right, another point to consider too. You know, because of the time we have and everything else, I'm kind of simplifying. Here's what needs to be submitted, but all of that has to be done in conjunction with a detailed policy review. Because if anybody's read their policy, and I will tell you, most people don't. Uh, they're very complicated. They give coverage, they take it away, they give it back. There's limitations. So if you call something this, it might be limited. If you call it that, it's not. So there's a lot of that that needs to be done. And then there's also a lot of strategy and decisions that are really the business decision for the estate manager and the principal to make that we guide them through to say, look, here, the insurance company is going to pay $100,000 to clean and restore these drapes. Do you want that money to go right to the restoration company to clean and restore these drapes? Or do you want to take that $100,000 and put it into new drapes because maybe you were thinking of replacing them in the next year anyways? Insurance companies don't always tell people or rarely tell people what their options are. For example, you can spend the money where you want, how you want. It doesn't all have to be exactly done this way and so we give everybody those options as well including where they can stay on a on a temporary basis because i've had very high net worth individuals told by the insurance company go stay at you know some very cheap hundred dollar a night motel and they don't know that that's not an option it's like no you can go stay at the nine hundred dollar a night hotel because that's your standard of living so there there is a lot of uh of that part of the process as well, which is just the knowledge and understanding of how insurance works, what you're entitled to, and if you don't ask and don't tell the insurance company, they're not going to tell you. And in many times they don't know, especially in a storm situation, because these adjusters that are referred to as CAT or storm adjusters, 
they're just coming through. They're in and out. It's not like an isolated claim where you might get a more senior representative from the insurance right. company out to your your nice house that had a fire and everything else is a normal environment. Yeah, absolutely. There's there there's not it's not just one claim, it's hundreds of thousands of claims it sounds like. So they're gonna be right. they're all gonna be busy going in, in a million different directions. Um for those that have not read their uh, their policies, which I'm sure everyone has read their policies, as you just stated. Um, but those that haven't, are there deadlines or requirements that they should be aware of or that they should look through the policy to find out about? Yes, there are um, oftentimes various deadlines in an insurance policy and requirements of what must be filed. Sometimes those are state requirements or limitations that would be listed in the policy. And from policy to policy, it's hard to know whether there's, for example, a proof of loss requirement, filing the statement of the claim. Some policies require that be submitted in 60 days. The National Flood Insurance Program has requirements that that be filed, too. So you might have to look if there's flood insurance through NFIP, National Flood Insurance, they have deadlines. Those deadlines usually get extended um, in in catastrophe situations, but if they don't and you miss those deadlines, you can be in trouble. So professionals can help with that, but also for anybody that's dealing, you know, especially if it's a smaller claim and they don't uh, have a professional, there are resources. The NFIP has a website, and they have a claims handbook for homeowners. Uh, the state of Florida also has a uh, on their Department of Insurance website a homeowner's insurance toolkit. So those are helpful. But I also encourage people, you don't always have to look at the insurance company adjuster as an enemy. They're, you know, a lot of them are very good people trying to do the best, the best they can in a difficult situation. So it's okay to ask them questions. And for most high net worth individuals on these larger properties, they're usually should be dealing with an agent or broker that is a little more sophisticated. I mean, they probably didn't just get their insurance online. They can call and ask them questions. And again, document everything because if they call somebody and say, do I have to do this? And they say, no, you don't have to file or do anything for five months. And the insurance company comes back and says, oh, you didn't do this on time. You can say, wait a minute. I asked this guy. He said no. Or he said, don't worry about it. And here's my, my documentation. But I would right, I would recommend looking at those resources. Okay, excellent. Well, listen, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Ethan. Um, I think that you have been a valuable asset to any of our members that are going to be uh, going through anything with regards to Hurricane Matthew and for people in the future that might be um, going through any other type of uh, c- catastrophes that, that might occur. So um, we just want to thank uh, Mr. E- Ethan, uh, Ethan Gross of uh, Global Miss Midwest Adjusters International. Uh, once again, they are a new um, global affiliate member of DEMA. We're extri- excited to have them on board and to be able to have their experience and knowledge as a, uh, a backup piece um, in, in continuing education for all of our membership. So, Ethan, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate it. And, yes, all the members, please let them know. If they have questions, they can call me. And whether I get engaged or need to be involved, 
I'm happy to answer questions and give them whatever advice I can to help them through this difficult time. Absolutely. And if they do want to get in touch with you, how how can they go about doing that? So they can call our office, uh, 248-352-2100. That's the main office. And they can ask for me, and I'll be happy to talk to them. Uh, they can go to our website or, uh, you know, I know a lot of times people will go directly through you. If they call you, you can feel free to give them my number or to circulate our uh, my phone number and email to anybody who uh, who might have a question. Excellent. Thank you so much. And you guys have a website as well, right? Yes. It's uh, globemwai.com. All right. Thank you very much, Ethan, for being on the show today. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of DEMA Live. Uh, we will be back with our normal scheduled uh, show next Wednesday at 12 Eastern Standard Time when we will have Mrs. Green back on the show talking about how we can all impact uh, the sustainability of the properties that we manage and take care of. Uh, it should be a great show, but until then, uh, our prayers and thoughts are with anyone who is being impacted by Hurricane Matthew. If you need anything or support from any of our DEMA uh, affiliates or DEMA National, please do not hesitate to reach out and get in touch with us. Uh, we look forward to uh, to hearing from all of you and hearing about that you're, that you're all safe and sound and hopefully that there wasn't too much uh, damage sustained. So thank you very much and uh, look forward to seeing and hearing from everyone on Wednesday.